Well, good morning, friends. It is a joy to be together. Who can believe it's Palm Sunday? I, 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 that is mind-blowing to me, but I'm, what a joy to be together here in the gym and online. So glad y'all are with us. Um, we actually, in case this is one of your first times or your first time, we meet in the round for a reason. And that reason is that as we look across the circle at each other, we see that we're all actively participating in God's church. We are God's church. And you have gifts to bring, and you have gifts to bring, and you do. And all of that makes God's family and God's church alive. And we also have the center here to remind us that something is in the center of everybody's life. And if you ever take God up in his offer and put him in the center, in that moment, you'll become his child and a part of his family. Well, we also love to say, this is one of my favorite things about our church, is that no matter where you are on your journey with God, if you're cautious, if you're curious, if you're committed and you have been for a long time, there is a place for you here. And you're welcome and it's safe. As long as you don't think you have it all together, you'll fit right in. Well, I have become, as it turns out, infamous in my family and in my circle of friends for one little tiny thing I said at one little tiny time in Bill and my almost 30 years of marriage and here's what happened we had a young family of five we were kind of busted out of the seams in our home and and we looked around and and loving to be people that like to restore all things broken and run down this was 20 years ago in Davidson let me, let me put that in there we said hey maybe we could restore an old house right like we could redo it we could we could fix it up over time. And so we call a realtor and she, a friend, she dutifully shows us all the homes in Davidson at that point that could be redone, which was a lot at that time. And, and, and we looked at all of them and then I said, hey, whoa, whoa, wait, what about that one on South Street? You know, the one everybody calls a haunted house? Let's go look at that one. She kind of paused for a minute. She's like, uh, and you're gonna pay money for that. But she set up the appointment and we walk in and here's the thing, friends. It turns out that a great deal of life is influenced by the lens through which you see it. So how I see myself is influenced by the lens that I use. How I see you is influenced by the lens that I use. How I see God is influenced by the lens that I use. And, and when I walked into that house through my lens and my history, this is what I missed. I missed a couple of tiny little things. One was asbestos, the other was fleas, and there were some other things. But what I saw, what I saw was high ceilings, long hallways for playing, old mantles with history, a place to rock on the front porch with friends, and room enough to invite a lot of people in. So I turn to Bill after about 10 minutes in there and I say this, I love it. How hard could it be, Bill? How hard could it be? So that, as it turns out, is the line that I am now um, often reminded of. And, and to answer the question, how hard could it be? The answer was it was really, 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 really hard. Um, there were a few, a couple of low points in particular. Um, one was the, the day I got a call from our contractor, Don, and he said, uh, Ms. Worsley, we're gonna have to implode your chimneys into the house. And I said, I'm sorry, come again? Well, they're leaning. They're leaning, Miss Worsley, and they're dangerous. They're gonna fall over and kill somebody. I said, Don, when? When are they gonna fall over? Like, ne like two days or like 20 years? Give me a timeline. 
We're going to have to implode your chimneys, Miss Worsley. That was the low point. Then Don called a couple weeks later, and this was before you could hit the little red decline. I said, hi, Don. He said, Miss Worsley, yeah, that whole main beam coming through your house. We pulled up the old floor. It was a fire. That beam's almost gone. It's rot. It's all rot all the way through. We're going to have to replace it. It's not good, Miss Worsley, all the beam all the way through. Because if you just put new floor on top of that, one day you're just going to fall right through. I said, okay, Don, replace it. See, it took someone outside of myself, in this case, Don, to correct my lens, to help me see that there were places in my dream home that were misaligned, slanted, dangerous, crooked, and rotting. But friends, my desire behind my lens my, my desire behind my words, how hard could it be, was, I think, a universal desire. Uh, it was a place I wanted to have a home. Not bricks and mortar, but a place where my people could gather. Not just my family, but all of my people. That they could belong. They would be welcomed. And, and, and we would know that they had misalignments and rotten places and, and places that weren't in the right place. But they were welcome there. And there could be joy. I think that's a universal desire to move towards home, a place of belonging, misalignments, rotten places at all. I think it's in this room this morning, that desire. I think it's online this morning. And I know that I know that it was in the hearts of the Israelites as they moved with God in God's story. Well, today's a big day because we we say goodbye to Moses today in, in God's story. And so I want to do like a 10,000 foot flyover about who this guy was and why that matters. But I want to say this first. If you just wandered in here this morning and maybe it's Palm Sunday and you haven't been in church or you haven't been watching church for maybe since you were a kid, maybe ever, hear this. If you don't know these stories, God still has something he wants to speak to your heart this morning. And if you want to read these stories, you can go to the second book of the Bible, read the first 10 20 chapters of Exodus, you're like, 20 chapters? It's eight pages, I counted. Eight pages. And you'll hear all, you can read all these stories for yourself, for your own heart. Or go to BibleGateway.com and put in BibleGate, no, BibleProject.org or com. Something. Bible Project Exodus. And it's not a kid's, it's not a kid's video. It's a video that's been created for adults to say, Oh, now I get it. Now I get it. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump right in. Father God, you are still unfolding your story. And some of that is clear and and we have eyes to see exactly what's going on. And a lot of that is not clear to us yet. Just like it wasn't clear to Moses yet. Wasn't clear to the Israelites yet. Because it was still unfolding and they were a part of that, but they had to trust you in it. Trust you to be good, trust you to be enough, trust you to be wise, and and trust you to be leading them home. Father, this morning, would you open our hearts to your truth, to your mercy, to your leading in our lives? Would you use your words and make them alive in our life this morning? We pray and ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Well, Moses is like 10,000 feet. Here we go. Ready? Strap it on. Moses was born as a baby when a genocide was going on. Pharaoh had ordered a genocide of all the baby boys and through his mother's courage and his younger sister's tenacity and God's mighty calling, he was saved from that. And he was literally placed as the daughter of, of the, the do, Pharaoh's grandson, the Pharaoh's daughter's son. And he grew up in the palace. He grew up under Pharaoh's stead. It said he was educated in all of the ways of the Egyptians, the powers, the speech, the actions, all the best education. That's what the Bible says. What Josephus, a Jewish historian, said of him was that he was a war hero. That one time the Ethiopians were coming to attack Egypt and they looked over all of Egypt and they said, who should lead our army? And they picked Moses. But Moses didn't go up, the, go up the Nile with Egypt's army. No, no, no. He went around the crooked places, the desert, the wilderness, full of snakes and, and barbs and all the things. And he came in from up above and it was a sneak attack and he obliterated the Ethiopian, Ethiopian army. Do you see it? He, he, was, he was trained. He was a leader. He had the glory of being a war hero. It, Moses had a personal encounter with the God of the universe. A personal, clear, undeniable one he tried to run from three times calling where a bush wouldn't burn up and he stood face to face with the glory and the power of God. He said, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. And God said, take your leadership. I'll let Aaron go with you. Take your leadership back to where you grew up. You know where you were leader under Pharaoh? Take all of that leadership back there and I want you to question in front of Pharaoh's face the very fabric of this mighty empire. I want you to confront Pharaoh who thinks he's a god by the way and tell him that I am the I am. There is only one true God. And then I'm going to bestow mighty powers in your midst and you're going to predict them. And there's going to be plague after plague after plague. And those plagues were yes to ushering God's justice, but they were also to ushering God's patience. As those plagues came rolling down through the locusts, the boils, the darkness, people saw the power of God. Did you know that some of the Egyptians left with the Israelites? Because in God's utter patience, they had come to believe. And Moses leads out from under that Egyptian empire that had been literally brought to its knees by the powers of God, millions of Israelite slaves. Millions. Have you ever longed for God to be super clear in his leadership in your life? Like, God, if you would just make it clear, I will do it. I will be there. Moses had that. As he led these Israelite slaves through the desert, he had that. There was a cloud by day and a fiery pillar by night. He had the utter, clear, undeniable leadership of God as he led his people. And then the climax of of, of Moses' story is they come to a body of water, the Red Sea, and in the Red Sea, this body of water there, and, and millions of Israelites, and Moses is the man in the middle. He's the mediator, if you will, between God's people and the Pharaoh's army that is, that is full of fury and bearing down on them, and what that means is slavery and sure death. Moses was the man in the middle. He saw 
Once they parted the seas and he came into the other side of the Red Sea, he saw God give manna. He saw God bring bread. He saw God bring water from a rock. He stood on the very mountain of God on the top of Sinai. And to the people's credit, the Bible says that the mountain literally shook like an earthquake. There was thunder and there was clouds and there was lightning. And Moses had been up there 40 days. And so the people looked at that scene with terror. And they also said, no way he comes out of that. But here's where they turned. They turned right back to the ways of slavery. Right back to all the world had taught them. Right back to, you know what, there's a lot of gods. They're all good. Let's just, you know what, let's make one. And let's worship that and see if things turn around here. And Moses comes down off the mountain. And he looks at these people worshiping something they created. He received the word of God on Mount Sinai, Moses did. And under Moses' leadership, led by God, he set up formal Judaism that still today exists. Moses set that up. That is a highlight reel. Man, that's the stuff you want everybody to know, right? Like, I did that. God used me to do that, right? But friends, the Bible, God's word is, it's gracious to us. Because it allows us to see that even his greatest leaders had struggles and flaws. Even God's greatest leaders had struggles and flaws. And so let me ask you this. If I told you today that, hey, surprise, we have your whole life on video. Like every moment. I mean, we... And what we're going to do is we're going to do like a highlights reel right now. And we're going to show your most sacrificial moments, your most humble moments, your, your most loving moments, the times in secret that you cared for people and they never knew, your, your most servant-hearted, um, faithful moments. We're just going to put it up there and we're all going to cheer and we're going to be like, you are amazing. Oh, but there's one more thing. We're also going to show the, the four worst moments in your life. Just super quick. The main thing is going to be how awesome you are, right? But then we're going to show like just four moments that weren't so great. So takers, hands, nobody raised their hand. Yeah, me neither. Why show the four worst days in Moses' life? Well, here we go and then we'll find out. Day number one, he's 40 years old. He's in Egypt. At some point, he recognized the color of his skin, the, the people out there, the people in here. I'm not a part of Pharaoh's household. We're not told how, but he recognizes it. And he looks out at his people that look like him, and he sees everything that's not fair, the socioeconomic oppression, the racism because of the pigment of their skin. The man-made lines that were created by men with the agendas behind them. And he just snaps. He goes out among his people and he goes out to try to step up to be the leader that he was trained to be in Egypt but for his people this time. And he gets in a fight with an Egyptian. And I don't think he went out with the intent to harm him. I don't think he went out with the intent to cause evil. He just enraged. He snapped and he kills the guy. So he has to run into the wilderness. There's no sign in scripture that that was the plan. It's a man-made mistake because of anger. See, Moses was right to be angry about racism and oppression. 
but he failed to wait on God's leading and timing. Day number two, Moses has been called back from God. He said, God, Moses, take your leadership back to this empire. Tell Pharaoh he's not a God. Question everything in the land and let my power unleash. You will lead the mighty power of God. Imagine what he had seen. Imagine as the plagues roll out what he had seen. Imagine the grief that he watched happen. And it's at the end of the plagues. And and Moses goes back to Pharaoh. Understand, they have a relationship. They have a relationship. And he goes to Pharaoh and he says, don't do this thing. He knows what's coming. He knows the agony and the pain and the heartache. And he says to him, don't do this thing. Just let us go. And Pharaoh's obstinate arrogance and this is what it says in Exodus eleven eight. it says then Moses hot with anger left Pharaoh see it doesn't say Moses grieved M- Moses was inconsolable because he knew what was coming it says that Moses hot with anger it's like Moses said you know what fine fine I'll just let God just roll on through then There was again, that anger. Then he's on Mount Sinai, and and the people have long-term memory loss, like we talked about last week. They've forgotten that God showed up for them again and again and again. He showed up for them there and there and there. And when God shows up there and there and there, when we look in our past and see that, we can know, friends, that he will show up there in our future. But they'd forgotten. They had fallen back into the ways of the world. The things that they see in Egypt, it felt safe. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't good, but it felt safe. But that's when Moses came down off the mountain. He had encountered the holy God of the universe. He had just received the words that you and I still read in the Bible. Those were given to him by God. He was coming to bring the people life, real life. Here's how the misalignments and the rotten places in your life can be healed. He was walking down with those and he looks down and sees their utter chaos and rebellion. The hardness of their hearts. Yeah, 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 God, you did that before, but this is a new thing. We're doing it now. And he just, he just takes the word of God and he just crumbles it on the ground. Just enraged. There it is again. Well, finally, they, he does. He leads God's people through the parted Red Sea at God's hand. And they're in the desert. And, and it's hard and they're done. Sort of like this year, it's hard. And a lot of us are done. And there's a lot of grumbling going on. It's like, well, you know, Egypt was better. Slavery was better. How soon they forget. And there's a lot of, you know, complaining going on. And one day they say, well, look, we're thirsty. We have to have water, Moses. What is wrong with you? Do something. So Moses goes to God like he always did. He faithfully went to God and he said, God, the people need water. But he was already mad. And God says to him, Moses, Go up to the rock, hold my staff, sign of God's miracle, sign of God being the one in power, and speak to the rock, and I will bring out water for the people. But Moses is so already wrapped up in anger, he's so enraged, there it is again, there it is again, that he takes his staff and he goes up and he just slams the rock twice. 
and God does bring the water forth. But what Moses has done is he had used the power of God to take the glory for himself, not because I think he intended to, because he was so enraged. And so God said this, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, enough and honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. Give me the credit. You will not bring this community into the land that I give them. So why show those parts of Moses? Why, why not just have the beauty, the amazing man of God that he was? Why show this weakness to anger? Because friends, if anybody could earn their way, lead their way, sacrifice their way into the promised land, it would have been Moses. It would have been Moses. Look what he had done. But the flaws of Moses' heart, the misalignments, the crooked places, the rotten places, prevented him from entering the promised land. And ours do too. Ours do too. Every time he lost his temper, it was around a supposed to. There isn't supposed to be injustice, I'm so mad. There isn't supposed to be oppression. There isn't supposed to be this wandering for 40 years. This didn't have to happen. There isn't supposed to be so much grumbling and complaining and he just, the anger would well up in him. And here's what I wonder this morning. In a year like none other that we've ever seen in any of our lives, what are your supposed to's right now? What are yours? This relationship was supposed to be different. You promised it would be different. This job, it was supposed to be different. That child was supposed to be different. This political decision, it should have been different. It was supposed to be different. And my health was supposed to be different. I was supposed to have blank, but I don't. I was supposed to be blank, but I'm not. Friends, don't, don't hear me say, don't feel those supposed to. Because God grieves with you in those places. He weeps over those things in your life. He just doesn't want you to get stuck there. In the supposed to's. Because when we get stuck in the supposed to's, we miss the real and life-giving joy and life that God is pouring out around us now. The only way to get rid of that ache is to take it to him, to lay it at the foot of the cross. He'll meet you there. He will. So you might be thinking if, if Moses couldn't clean his heart, huh? What chance does Holly have? How how do I cleanse my heart from all the misaligned, rotten places that are I know that are in it? And Moses himself tells us this is this is what Moses said to the people: The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses points ahead to Jesus. Moses said, you know what? I couldn't do it. 
I couldn't earn my way in. And, and you people can't earn your way in, but it's okay because we couldn't get to God and so he's coming for us. We can't get to God. That's the last thing Moses said. We can't get to God, so he is coming for us. He'll be like me, Moses said. Listen to him. Friends, Jesus was like Moses. He was an Israelite. Moses and Jesus were born during a time of great oppression by, by hated, horrible leaders. They were born doing an ordered genocide. Pharaoh called for a genocide in Moses' time and Herod called for a genocide in Jesus' time and both of them were plucked to safety by God. Moses left a royal life in the palace of Pharaoh behind to identify with his people. Jesus, it says in Philippians 2, being the very nature of God, the same nature of God, did not consider that equality with God something to be taken advantage of and grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the image of a servant, which was the image of human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Yes, Jesus left behind royalty to identify with his people, with his people. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness because of a sin that he committed. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, both of them before they started their ministries. Remember the moment for Moses? The body of the Red Sea is there. There are millions of Israelite slaves here. They're terrified. They're terrified. They're screaming out to Moses in fear because they've seen the power of Pharaoh. And Moses is a man in the middle. And he cries out to God like he always did. And God said, be still. I will fight for you. And what is coming towards them is slavery and death at the hands of Pharaoh. Moses was the man in the middle and what he did was he took the staff of God and he stretched it out over the Red Sea waters and God by his almighty power made what was chaotic waters into order and the, the slaves and Moses walked through but Jesus Jesus stretched out his hand and because he was God he was able to absorb all of my misalignments, all of your crooked places, all of our rotten places. He absorbed those things because what was at stake for us, the reason Jesus had to stand in the middle was because what was at stake for us was a life chained to slavery of sin, a life of death at the end. When we all die, there's a choice, there's a way we will go. And, and what was at stake was that we would spend eternity apart from God and so he stretched out his hand and he absorbed the wrath of God that has to go somewhere because he's a God of justice and of love. Moses told the people when they were in Egypt and, and, and the angel of death was coming through Egypt, that last plague, he said, take a sacrificial lamb and take the blood and, and slop it around the doorpost of the house. And so when the angel of God, when the angel of death comes through Egypt, that last thing that Moses begged Pharaoh, Pharaoh to not let happen, the blood of the lamb 
will protect you from the angel of death. No one in your household will be harmed. Friends, Jesus said, I am the Lamb of God. My blood covers your hearts. How do we cleanse our hearts? Not just the outside, not just the sins, not just the things that other people can see. How do we cleanse our hearts? Only Jesus can do that. My, my blood covers your misalignment, your crooked places, the things people see and the things people do not know about you. The rotten, broken places that are in need of repair. And if you belong to Jesus, if you accept his free gift on the cross, if you, if you admit that his blood was in your stead for the things that you should have paid for, his blood covers you. It cleanses your heart. You're made new. You're a part of his family. And the wrath of God will pass over you. You are no longer a slave to sin. You will see life with God in eternity. Friends, Moses was pointed to Jesus. I couldn't get in, but God's coming for you. In Jesus Christ, we don't have a Moses who was fully man and close to God. In Jesus Christ, we have a mediator, one who's in the middle, who is fully God and fully man. Nathan Cole was a young man, and he lived in Middleton, Connecticut. This is in 1744. He was a farmer, couldn't read, didn't know much about God, but he started hearing these rumors. Started hearing these rumors about this preacher, this preacher named George Whitfield, and he was going all over the place, and he was telling people about God, and he was talking about the Lamb of God and why Jesus died on the cross. Not just that he, that he did, but why he died on the cross. And he couldn't read the Bible for himself, but one day he heard that George Whitfield was coming near his town. So he literally tears home, gets his wife, they jump on a horse together, and they start galloping towards where this is supposed to happen. At one point, the horse gets foam to the mouth. He's so tired. And, 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 and Nathan Cole jumps off the horse and runs alongside it while his wife continues to ride. As they got close to Middleton, there's like this dust in the air. And they're like, what is happening? It literally looked like a dust storm. And it turned out it was all of the horses galloping towards to hear George Whitfield talk about Jesus. To hear him talk about the free gift. To talk about how to be free from our slavery to sin. And this is what this young man, this Nathan Cole, letter, later had someone else write down because he couldn't write. He said, as I was listening to Mr. Whitfield and hearing him preach, I realized that I had a heart wound. And by God's blessing, my old foundation was broken up. And I saw that my righteousness would not save me. That wasn't getting in on me. And so I knelt down right there and I asked Jesus into my life to heal that heart wound. Moses himself, the mighty man of God, Moses himself said, we need a better Moses. And he pointed us towards Jesus. And he said, 
listen to him. Let's take a few minutes to pray. That's just talking to God. Be honest with him. Maybe you, you offer him your supposed tos that you're carrying that feel like a bag of bricks on your back, in your heart. Maybe you tell him, Lord, I never knew those things. Forgive me. I want to put you at the center of my life. Just take a few minutes to talk to him. Father, somewhere deep in our souls, in the re recesses of our souls, we know we're not enough. I mean, we, we just know it. Um, and somewhere deep in the recesses of our heart, there are many heart wounds. And so, God, we come to you today on this Palm Sunday leading up to Easter, and we thank you. We thank you that you didn't leave us to what we deserved, but you came for us. We thank you for what that says about a, a true father's heart. We, we thank you that even undeserving, mal-aligned, crooked, rotten inside, you said, you're mine and I want you. I want to bring you home because everybody needs a home where they can be not okay and they're still loved and they're accepted and there's joy and you did that God and we are so humbled by that we're so grateful Lord be with our friends that are still considering this maybe speak to their hearts and their minds and their souls draw them to yourself Lord we pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.